the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 198. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... Oh, this is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of October 16th through October 30th. We have a total of three books to cover, just a little bit of news, and we'll just jump straight into the news before we get into our reviews. So the first thing we have is solicitations came out for January 2017, not... A ton of news that we didn't already know based off of these solicitations. Uh, we already knew that Batgirl's getting a new artist, but, but we talked about that, I, I want to say, like a month ago. Um, ben Oliver will be illustrating the Batwoman, Batwoman Begins issues in Detective Comics. Uh, Batman's going to be getting an epilogue issue as well as potentially a one-shot just involving Swamp Thing. Those are really the major things. As far as some of the other stuff that uh, outside of the Batman comics, uh, going into some of the other ones, we we do have the Creeper, who is a staple within Gotham City normally. Uh, he's going to be popping up in the pages of Deathstroke. Justice League versus the Suicide Squad is still going to be happening um, and over in Justice League number 13, the solicitation says that Harley Quinn is going to be coming, becomes the protector of Gotham City. Uh, who knows exactly what that means? Um, there's a bunch of creator changes. Jim Lee is coming off of Suicide Squad probably permanently. Um, that's not really that big of a su- surprise. And then Koei Fam is going to be taking over Teen Titans, which actually could be happening potentially earlier hmm. because John Boy Myers is actually he he had already announced that he's going to be leaving Teen Titans after I believe issue two because of some creator differences. Um, outside of uh, that, uh, in over in Gotham City, there's a whole area of Gotham City which was the area where Night of the Monsters took place, which is a new district. There's going to be a new district called Monster Town. Um, the neighborhood has uh, happened and it's going to be dealing with. It's going to be part of what's going to be happening in some of the books, not necessarily all of them, but some of them. And then obviously, as I said, the Batwoman uh, begins storyline, which is going to take place in two issues of detective comics is going to be happening in January over in Batman beyond number four, the future Joker's identity is going to be revealed while over in Harley Quinn, number 11, a newer kinder Joker comes face to face with Harley Quinn. Um, So two different Jokers, uh, not not really two different Jokers, within the same time, but two different jokers across the universe. It is. And that's basically the extent of anything that's happening with the solicitations. Um, there's new books of everything. Nothing's getting canceled. Uh, so there's nothing really to talk about there. Um, so yeah, that's, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to, but the, the interesting thing is the monthly books that are, have only been happening for about six months at this point, none of them, other than a couple artist changes are really occurring. So it's, it's the writers that we have are staying on for at least the time being. Yeah. I'm surprised too. Cause we're getting nine, 10, 11 issues into some, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird not to have any, I mean, it's good in a way they're given a longer leash. Remember after new 52, they had a quick hook on a lot of books. Oh yeah. You know, like, it was like, eight issues, like it was like eight issues in, I think it was before they started 
either chopping them or it was, they didn't even give some of those books a full year. They were chopping them before even a full year. So, I mean, part of it also has to do with the fact that some of these books are releasing twice a month. So 12 issues is the equivalent of what six used to be, even though they're sure. getting, they're doing more sales. So that's interesting. The only other uh, news bit to really bring up is uh, if you read your comics digitally, um, you are aware that digital versions of comics, they are enhanced. Some of them, not all of them are enhanced where as you swipe, it goes from panel to word bubble to word bubble to word bubble going along with the, the actual route of how you're supposed to read things and showing off the individual panels rather than the entire page. Um, if you are reading an enhanced copy of a comic, the company who actually converts the normal print copies to digital copies um, is their name is made fire. They're the company who is in charge of what they call uh, DC was toting as uh, DC two, which was their weird way of, calling comics enhanced comics because they follow along. But the company who's behind that actually just announced that they're going to be launching a, uh, the made fire app on the Oculus store. Now, if you're not familiar with Oculus, it's a form of virtual reality. Um, my understanding is it's a pair of goggles you put on your face and I guess it connects to maybe your phone or something of that sort where you can use the apps and certain things will appear on the goggles I know that Oculus is going to also have the Batman, the animated series, virtual reality at some other point. Um, I think it comes out this holiday season after being hyped for about two years. Um, That's going to be there. But the idea is now you'll be able to read your comics without even having to touch anything, I assume, because it's virtual reality. So um, if you are, you know, virtual reality is starting to cross over into a lot of different things. Um, whether it be video games, whether it be now comics, you know, who knows what's next. But if you end up getting a pair of Oculus goggles for Christmas, you could be you could start reading your comics on your goggles. I'm all for new technology and comics, but that I'm not sure what the practical application of that would be, to be honest with you. I, mean, I guess you wouldn't have to turn the pages. I don't don't know if it, the thing is, I don't think there is any application whatsoever other than just, it's another thing that they can have. That's mostly visual. It's a visual medium. So that's, that's the the connection, I guess is the only thing I can think of, but not, not not sure if I'll be investing in an Oculus Rift to, to read my comic books, but Hey, if it brings in new readers, I'm glad when they do stuff like this, I just, I mean, those those Oculus headsets are pretty expensive, aren't they? Pretty much all virtual reality at this point is pretty expensive. The, expensive, right. The, the, really, the only thing that I've come across that is not super expensive is Viewmaster last year rebranded themselves. Instead of the old-style red, you know, the, the Viewmaster with, with the, the reels. Thing on it? Yeah, instead of the little thing where you just put the little, you know, circle reels in and you yeah. click it and it goes through. They basically did a fresh update where it's more of a 3D virtual reality thing where you it's a headset that you put on your face, you put your smartphone in it, and somehow it uses your smartphone to enhance it. So when you move your head and things like that, you're actually moving like virtual reality within the actual headset. So you still have hmm. to click certain things and, and you know to you know to get to certain things, but I've seen some videos online of it. Um, of, for example, like they had a space one, they had an animal safari one where like you could see animals, it would actually play videos because it's all through apps. You just have to get the headset to put your phone in 
that's the closest thing that I've seen. And actually, the reason I found out about this is because November 14th, they're releasing a Batman limited edition version of the Viewmaster, which will also include the code or like a preloaded app for the animated series virtual reality that was supposed to be originally only to Oculus, but they realized that it was going to cost too much. So they licensed it out to Viewmaster as well. So that's the only reason I thought about it. Cause I was like, well, this might be something worth picking up because the headset by itself and you know, everything given that you already have a smartphone, it's only about $40 for the headset. So that's the least expensive. I don't know anything about Google, the Google cardboard ones. I don't know anything about those. And I know Google Glass was never really took off the way they, they really wanted were. it to. So, yeah. but like the PS4 ones are, you know, you're looking 350 at three hundred and fifty, yeah, three hundred and fifty, yeah. four hundred and fifty. If you need all the other accessories like the camera and the stuff, so I mean, like, it's not cheap. Eventually, over time, it'll it'll go down. But right now, they really just need to get enough content out there to make people interested to make people buy it to make the prices then go down. So, All right, so with that, that is all the news we have. Not very much, but uh, we do have three books, and the first one we're going to do is DK3. DK3, number six, uh, writer Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, artist Andy Kubert. For those of you who may have forgot where we left off at, uh, we were in the middle of a fight with uh, Batman and Superman fighting the Kandorians, in the middle of a kryptonite rainstorm. Um, so then we see the uh, police, uh, the, the fights going on in the background. Uh, the police force assists the, the civilians that are fighting back, uh, and the Kryptonians are defeated. Uh, the Bat Boys, the, with assistance from the GCPD, take down Quar, and then Batman broadcasts that to the entire world, saying that everyone should see them broken. We then see Laura and Ball look on from the safety of the sky, uh, Ball then attacks the city after the rain's kind of dispersing, and Carrie goes after him in the Bat Tank, still dressed as, and I think our new permanent idea is Batgirl. He makes quick work um, and then chases Carrie across town until like she finally turns around in an act of desperation and shoots Ball in the eye with a piece of kryptonite that she is keeping in her utility belt. Uh, his face kind of twists in pain and this weird distortion effect as he flies away. Uh, we didn't see Quar is being taken away, beaten and battered by a few of his acolytes. And Superman tells Batman that they can go finish them off, but Bruce tells them to uh, to go lick their wounds. They kind of fly away, and at the last minute, Core turns around and fires his laser vision through Batman's heart. He collapses to the ground, and Superman tells him to take him to the hospital. D- to, don't take him to the hospital, but to call Carrie. Okay, uh, so now for the backup, which is called World's Finest Number 1. Uh, written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, pencils by Frank Miller, inks by Klaus Jansen, and colors by Alex Sinclair. A uh, very quick summary is just that Batgirl is actually facing off against Supergirl. Batgirl is clearly outmatched. They have a conversation as it's going on, and Batgirl is sort of getting broken one bone at a time-ish. And suddenly Wonder Woman, Supergirl's mother, shows up, and then they go into a battle. And that's uh, that's basically the backup. So I have two questions here. One of them would have been one that Sella got us on last week, which is, you know, is, is this just a big fight issue? Do we like fight issues anymore? But since we just talked about that last week, Batman has this thing at the end where he says to Clark, Superman, go and let him go. You know, we'll let him go lick his wounds. Knowing what we know of the Batman in the Dark Knight universe specifically, do do we think this is the kind of guy that's going to get away and go lick his wounds? 
No, not at all. And I think the the biggest thing is that not only would he not go let him, him lick his wounds, but in some ways letting him go lick his wounds almost basically set up the fact that he was going to get heat visioned, you know, a couple pages later, which is just ridiculous. And then would prove Batman's point that he shouldn't let him lick his wounds. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that's in line with what we have seen of this character, this version yeah, I mean, of the character. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I sort of think about, I think it's been a while since I've gotten nerdy on this particular podcast where I'm talking about um, <laughs> classics, i.e., you know, like because I, I teach Latin and everything. But there's this idea that, uh, you know, woe to the conquered. Um, for those that you conquer, you sort of give grace, but if they're proud, then you smack them down. And I think this is something, you know, the Romans did. Uh, but I, I think there's something to that over here. And that's certainly what I envision Batman in this universe being, because I think if he conquers you, he will also like very much shatter you and, and kind of like Carthage, like basically make sure that you're never going to rise again. So this is a little interesting because it's almost the opposite. Like he's showing clemency uh, and grace almost, but I think in the end that's going to come back and bite him. And, uh, you know, this is weird because it's not like I'm against having clemency, but I I think that this Batman, it's very strange because I am expecting to, and I think he should completely sort of wipe out, um, any sort of insurgency that could potentially happen in the future. Yeah, especially, like, this would be a much closer argument if we were having with Batman from the main Bat books in normal continuity, but this guy, I mean, wasn't there an instance in this universe where he threw Dick Grayson in the volcano? You know, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was really weird to have, especially this kind of a role reversal where where Clark is the one that's like, let's go get him, and Bruce like, yeah, it's cool, let him go, you know. So it just didn't, eh, yeah, I, I, I kind of felt the same way you guys did. It did seem really out of character and definitely, you know, led to him getting shot through the heart. Um, I don't think we're shot under any Shot the heart and you oh, do blame, you give love a bad, bad name. Wow. <laughs> bon Jovi, Halloween. Oh, I'm liking what we're you doing. You did it. You led us right into that. If, 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 well, then from now on, I will have at least one Bon Jovi queue up in everything I do. If we're all going to sing, I'm all over that. Um, so then the other second question I got is just kind of a, a note I was thinking about. I went back and kind of flipped through the, the issues because the time frame has been so elongated since we started this. Um, that's putting it kindly. <laughs> yeah, that's putting it mildly. Um, if I don't know if you guys remember, and I, full disclosure, didn't until I went back and reread it, but. The first issue or two, uh, Roy, Ray Palmer is a pretty major issue, and we're certainly led to believe that he is going to be a major catalyst in this book and that we're going to be seeing again, him again. Does anybody got a theory on what Ray Palmer is going to come back and do, or is he just not going to come back at all? I don't know that he's going to come back at all. I feel like the I idea was, about him? No, I feel like the the whole thing was that they set it up where you know each each issue would feature some member of the Justice League or what would be the Justice League or what was the justice league at some point, you know, in this universe. And I think that he had a larger role, but it was basically to set up those backups. And I feel like that's, that's basically the idea. The only other thing I can think of is maybe he, you know, 
I don't know how he could be involved unless it was something where like he goes inside of Batman to like repair him because of the heat vision. But I feel like even something like that would just be a little too silver age. Yeah. Silver age and not really fitting within this world. I am a little shocked as well, but I think, and I, you know, I believe we'll all agree here that the backups and, and the stuff going on seems like there's not been too much of a cohesive story. I mean, this is the first time that two worlds have sort of combined in the backups because we did Supergirl at one point and then we did Wonder Woman and they've been doing Supergirl went on her sort of own little path and now they're finally together. So I'm surprised that he hasn't played a bigger role. But maybe, you know, I can only hope that um, Frank Miller and Ezreal are sort of biding their time and maybe he'll come in in a really big way. But, uh, yeah, I've sort of wondered. But to be honest, I also have forgotten about him until you mentioned him. It's hard for me to keep track of, like, the moving pieces in here besides, like, oh yeah, you know, who the, the antagonist is. We've got Batman and Superman together and then Carrie Kelly's back. Like, that's very simplistically what I remember. But otherwise, it's it's hard. This schedule, I think, makes it difficult. It's really difficult. And, that, and, and, and that's the biggest thing is, like, I like I kept thinking as we were as you asked this question was what we really need to have is like last time on or last time in three because like it's because and like in my mind, this is one of the few books that's this is the only book really right now that this is that's experiencing these major ridiculously long delays because everything else that they're publishing, you know, a part of Rebirth and that is all coming out on schedule. There hasn't really been any fluctuation yet of that stuff. Although I, do, I did notice that uh, Suicide Squad is fluctuating, but it's convenient because it happens to be a month that has five Wednesdays, so it could still release two in one month. That being said, this book is one of those ones where it's like, I feel like one of the things that should be a big deal at DC is getting the stuff out on time. They, you know, they... We've talked about this before. They knew that the series was happening. They were working on it well in advance. There's no real reason that it's being delayed as much as it is. The only thing I can think of is that they it's being delayed because of these weird backups that they added in the last second that just happened to be focused mostly on Frank Miller, and that's why if that's the the reason, that's a really crappy reason because this was something that was added after the fact. But outside of that reason... The the other thing is, uh, I just don't understand why they're doing it. But as a company, I would think, you know, people are not going to be continuing to pick up this book if it's coming out once every two months, if they're assuming it's a monthly book and things like that. The only thing I can think of is as a company, I'd be like, well, here's the problem. We know it's going to keep being delayed. It's just going to keep happening. So why don't we save ourselves some grief and just add in one page recapping or at least giving a paragraph description of what's previously happened up to this point to make sure that people who are just picking it up when it comes out and not waiting for it to come out in trade have a way to follow along with what's going on because I don't remember what's going on. I mean, the first issue came out the end of November of last year and here we are. We've only had six issues and it's been a year, almost a year. Oh yeah. I mean, the time frame is, is way out there and the next issue doesn't come out till after Christmas. Yeah. Think about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, at the beginning when we, we got on this, I thought that Ray was going to play some kind of pivotal role and 
we're going into issue seven, and I know it's been it's, it's been extended to what nine now. Nine, Is that what yeah. they're going with? Yeah, it's been it's been sent out to nine, so we've only got three more issues. So I would think that we would start to see him come back. Maybe you were right. Maybe this does scream a golden age microsurgery type deal. Um, but I guess we'll find out between now and uh, two thousand, you know, twenty five. You know, the, and we wrap this thing up. <laughs> the the one thing I wanted to, I wanted to bring up though is I want to I can't remember exactly, but I remember you know I remember the fact that they were printing you know the individual issues, and then two weeks after the fact they were supposed to be coming out with like the collector's editions of those. Were like they were like thicker, you know, the spines and like without, you know, they were just supposed to be more prestige format type issues. Yes, I didn't, I didn't pick up any of the prestige. I've just been doing the single issues, so I don't know. So I need some clarification. But didn't they when they? I got them all. Yeah, all right. Didn't they when they first started releasing them come out with a box that you could buy to fit all eight? Actually, I know this. It does not come with the box. The box ships with the last issue. Okay. Okay, well, at because, least that's because that was the yeah. one thing I was thinking. It was like if this box came out and it was planned for eight, knowing that there would be eight, and now there's nine. Anybody who paid the money for the box, it's a giant waste of money. But I, okay, that, at least that's they, good information too. They've actually made a couple changes for those of you getting the deluxe issues. So when you buy issue number nine in your comic book store or online, it's supposed to come with the box, right? And originally, remember the um, the Last Crusade. The actual, the very good flashback episode about Joker and Jason Todd. That was originally not supposed to be part of this, but now there is a deluxe edition of that coming out in December. So if you want to complete your box, you'll need to get the ninth issue and the deluxe edition of Last Crusade. I didn't there you know go. That. So that's more information because I didn't, I didn't know that. All right. So DK3, I'm going to give two out of five. Um, two and a half out of five. Two and a half? And over on the mm-hmm. website, Matthew gave it two. So that's going to give... Dark Knight 3, number 6, a total of 2.5 out of 5 batterings. Let's move into our next book, Batman. Batman number 9. I am Suicide Part 1. Writer Tom King, pencils and inks, Mikhail Janin, and colors June Chung. Bane remembers his time in Santa Prisca, a la Chuck Dixon's um, Bane Vengeance. Growing up in a cell that, of course, flooded. Currently naked and on a throne of skulls, he tells Psycho Pirate that he is no longer on Venom and that he needs Psycho Pirate to tell him he is happy and brave and that he can always stop. Psycho Pirate indulges him in this. At Wayne Manor, Bruce comforts Claire, who is now staying in the mansion. He tells Alfred that both he, meaning Alfred, and Duke should stay by her side as he goes off to accept Waller's proposition. He then uh, uses the classic 60s style Shakespearean head to go to the basement. Batman goes to Arkham Asylum in order to recruit his team members. After passing several potential recruits like Kite Man, Condiment King, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Calendar Man, and Saturn Girl, whatever she's doing there, he ends up choosing Arnold Wesker, a.k.a. the good ventriloquist. Punch, who was in disguise as Jim Gordon in order to rescue his beloved, Julie, 
who's also on the team. And in an amazing scene, Bronze Tiger. Batman wants one other person, but Jeremiah Arkham refuses until Batman blackmails him in regard to Punch being able to get inside. Despite having a panel that looks like it came from the killing joke, it is not the Joker, but it's actually Catwoman, who happens to be wrapped up by Cannibal Lecter and is apparently indicted for 237 counts of murder and is now on death row. Uh, Next, Assault on Santa Prisca. Okay, I actually have so many questions I would like to ask, but I know that we have to, you know, we can't do that sort of thing. If they're they're, they're quick questions, why not? I mean, people like our discussions. Okay. Yeah, because there wasn't much on DK3, so. Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay, first question about Bane. Without Venom, do you feel like this changes who the character is? Simple answer, yes. I do feel like this is the character. I mean, this is more true than pretty much any incarnation we saw in the New 52. That's for sure. Um, I feel, you know, I, I like how they they revert, they, they flash back to his origin, which is more in line, like you said, with Chuck Dixon's origin, rather than, you know, playing them off as this Venom hopped up you know, Luchador as, and yeah. as that's basically what we saw for almost mm-hmm. the entire new 52. Um, he, he's coming across here as an actual potential threat. Um, the reasoning behind, you know, what, 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 you know, bringing Bane into the story makes sense because Bane somehow has a psycho pirate. So, I mean, like everything for right now makes sense. I mean, like, I think that this is pr- like, I was actually very excited when like I said, okay, this is going to sound weird, but, I was very excited when I saw him sitting there on the throne of skulls and it mm. wasn't because he was naked. It was just because <laughs> this is so much in line with what he is normally portrayed as, as the original character was intended, not this crazy hopped up venom dude that, you know, basically is a uh, spin off of what we saw in Batman and Robin, the movie that is. Because that was a horrible version of Bane. And I feel like a lot of people just think that's the version of Bane. That's what we've seen so many times in the last couple of years. So I feel like this version of Bane works and is the correct version. Yeah. No, I like this seems um yeah, I like this version of Bane. It seems more like classic Bane. Does that even sound weird to say? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I mean Bane was like a thinking man's, you know, Batman's thinking villain way back in nightfall. Remember his his plan wasn't just beat him up. There was a whole psychological element to it. So um, and he's, this one shows him a little bit vulnerable. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I like this version. It wasn't, um, I didn't feel over, I didn't feel as overpowered as I do. Um, even I don't know Scott Snyder, but it, even when he writes a book for us, I feel like it's, it's a whole different character. I don't mind the reinventation of, of characters. I think that's very fun, but this to me felt more like going back to an, a more classic style Bane. So I was very comfortable with this. You know, it changes who the character is, you know, very simple simplistically uh, because we always think of Bane with, with the venom. And I think uh, it's wrong to think of Bane as being sort of a one trick pony. And, you know, he's just known as this guy on steroids and who broke Batman and that's it because I think he, he does have uh, he's a good strategist and um, you know, just the, I love the fact that it, it flashes to, to Bane vengeance because 
I, you know, it may not mean as much to people who have not read that story, but I think then you really get a sense of, oh, okay, I think we're going back to, you know, this sort of character who, you know, it's like nature versus nurture, and you're trying to understand this character, and he's he's um, distinct as well as very dynamic, changing, and, and it's, it's hard to put your finger on who he actually is. Uh, so, yeah, I think it does change what we've seen of him in the New 52. I feel like the last time we saw him, he was hanging out with Alfred. Um, remember they had that little uh, mm. that team up, and we, we enjoyed it. I feel like that was the last time. But then we did see him face off with Jason Todd. So I think maybe we're getting to a point where, hey, this could be uh, an interesting development of Bane. My second question is, uh, I am not really enjoying the current Suicide Squad, the Rebirth Suicide Squad. And I think from your comments in the previous one, in the previous episode of the Batman Universe comic podcast, that you guys aren't necessarily enjoying it as well. And so my question was, have you ever read what I would call the original Suicide Squad written by John Ostrander? And did you feel like this uh, sort of start bringing characters who were on the original Punch and Julie, Bronze Tiger, you know, those sorts of characters? Do you feel like maybe this book is going to have more of that original feel? So I guess a two-part question. Have you read the John Ostrander run? And do you feel like this is getting to be more of a Suicide Squad feel than maybe the actual Rebirth Suicide Squad book is? Well, I have to preface this with I – don't have any major issues with the Suicide Squad series as part of Rebirth, except for the fact that the major issue is the fact that the main story has been chopped up and and seemingly gets smaller and smaller because Jim Lee's the main artist attached to the title and he really shouldn't be. Not that his art's bad, but it's just he he can't do a full book per month. He just can't. That's my main problem. The story is actually not so bad. There's been a couple issues where it doesn't feel like it's very good, but that's just because it's so short and it doesn't feel like the main story has a lot going on. Uh, Have I read John Ostrander's original run? Yes, it was years ago, but I do remember the the themes present in it. Um, I do feel like this is probably more online with that compared to what we saw in Suicide Squad Rebirth. Uh, You know, that was basically like, here's a team. It's almost the same team that we had pre- rebirth um there are some changes mostly in line with what how you know the team that was featured in the movie but um i like the idea of uh not only including some of the original characters that were part of suicide squad that have kind of just been thrown away the bronze tiger is a big one for me i don't know Mm. why that guy doesn't get more usage honestly um because he's a good character he's he actually works very well in a lot of different situations um so that part of it so, I mean, like, as far as do I feel like this is more in line with Ostrander's work? Yes, I do. Um, and I, that's pretty much all I have. I'm not going to, like, I don't want to sit here and say, like, it shouldn't be in Batman. It should be in Suicide Squad because I pay more attention to Batman than I do Suicide Squad. I mean, I'll still read Suicide Squad. But if the story, if it works for the story, by all means, I, you know, and, and what we see here, I think it works. And I'm actually like super looking forward to what's going to happen here. I have read Ostrander's work. It's been a while, full disclosure. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a while. Hmm. Is this closer to it? Yeah. I mean, I guess 
this does feel a little bit closer in tone. It still feels more modernized, um, but there is definitely some feelings of tone here. And, you know, it, it might feel like an older 90s story, too. This is going to sound terrible because Psycho Pirate's in it. That doesn't even make sense. Like, he shouldn't be inside of a comic this side of, like, 1997. Um, so with him being in it, I think that might give it that throwback feel to it. I do like Australia's work, though. Um, and that classic team was a lot of B-list villains. I think Suicide Squad now is a lot more A-list than it was back then. People like Harley Quinn and that on, and I think it's supposed to be, it's a, it's a higher profile book. I mean, although he's leaving the book, Jim Lee was doing Suicide Squad. That doesn't even make, I mean, Suicide Squad was always a B, C, D level book. So I think its profile has been raised a little bit more since uh, the days of Mr. Ostrander. But yeah, no, overall, I do like it a lot. Um, I do like the feel of it. I certainly get where Stella's going at with, with the comparisons to the old work, but I'm wondering if some of that pirate in it makes you makes people feel like that because he doesn't feel, he feels like a character out of time. I loved this. Uh, you know, the ventriloquist is a bit of a, a newer one. He's the ventriloquist, <laughs> though. He really is. I know. The good one, though. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, yeah, oh good I'm one. sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, half of half of the ventriloquist duo. So, yeah, Arnold Wesker. You know, that one's a bit of a new one, but Punch and Julie, that was interesting, especially since I think people thought that when um, Jeremiah Arkham mentioned about the clown girl that probably everyone assumed it was Harley, but, you know, to have Punch and Julie, which are um, – which was probably what Harley was really um, modeled after initially. Mm -hmm. And then Bronze Tiger, which is a classic character. I loved in Ostrander's run, his relationship with Waller because he was very much the team leader and, and she cared for him in her own little Waller way. Uh, So it was great. I I enjoyed this. I felt like, yes, we're getting back to sort of a classic suicide, Um, but you know, it is a Batman book. So I, I do understand that. Uh, I just have two more questions. Uh, my first question, my my third question, I guess, is about Selena Kyle, uh, because the entire issue, I would say, in increments, it was built up that you know he wanted this one person. It was impossible. Jeremiah Arkham is like putting his foot down, like you can have these other people. That's fine, but you can't have this person. Batman even blackmails him. And then we find out, and, and it looks like it's, like I said, like the killing joke, it looks like it's going to be the Joker. And you'd be like, oh, that's ridiculous. But it turns out to be Selena. And I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? Why is she, how did she kill 237 people? I even texted Dustin and said, did I miss something? So without, you know, I guess you two, I think, go on the internet a little bit more than I do in regard to comics, so maybe it wasn't as shocking. But what was your sort of untainted um, by the internet and by spores and things reaction to this, and and what do you think it's all about? So when I re- first read it, I was like, who is behind this mask? And I kept thinking to myself, okay, yeah. I, I can't imagine it being the Joker. There's just no way he would bring the Joker onto this team. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, now, full disclosure, months ago when they revealed the cover for, I believe, November's issue of Batman, or maybe it's the second issue of Batman in October. No, no, it would be the it would be the first issue in November. Uh, Catwoman was on the cover, so I assume Catwoman was part of the team, but I didn't think she would be in Arkham Asylum because anytime she's ever been in prison jail setting it's always been blackgate penitentiary mm-hmm. never arkham because she's not criminally insane so when they so so anyway so i knew that she was going to be in it so i just assumed because catwoman used to have her own series that series was canceled um but she's coming back and she's gonna be part of batman she'll just come out along on the team as you know just coming in from 
you know, whatever she's doing. That was my guess. Not so much she's, you know, locked up in Arkham Asylum. Now, I, now when I read it, I was thinking to myself as they were about to, I didn't think it was actually going to be Catwoman who they were referring to. Um, the way Bruce talked, because I reread those couple pages a couple times to make sure I completely understood it. And the way Bruce talks, it actually works perfectly for Catwoman. I don't know who else he would have been talking to. Um, this, the, the dialogue does come very close to what you would expect. Like you said, killing joke dialogue between himself and Joker, but I just could not believe that it would be the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I read it, I, and then of course it's revealed that it's Catwoman. I was confused, had no idea what was going on, mostly because I had, you know, no understanding. But one thing that has been very evident in a lot of Tom King's issues is that there's cliffhangers. And the, this is true of Tynan too. There's, there's been cliffhangers, major giant cliffhangers. And the reveal that she has, I mean, that one, that last page basically shows that one, it's Catwoman. Two, that it she has all these counts of murder, and three, she sends to lethal injection, which also makes no sense as to why she would be at Arkham Asylum. That part of it, I thought to myself, well, this must be the cliffhanger. We're supposed to know more information about this because we don't know anything yet. Now, given the internet reaction, there was a gazillion people freaking out about Catwoman being this horrendous two hundred count murderer. And people saying that she was going to, you know, she sends the lethal injection. But the biggest thing for me is I'm trying to figure out why she's in Arkham Asylum. If one, she has these giant counts, this giant count of murder, plus she's supposed to be on death row. That's never a place where people go. Arkham Asylum is never a place for that. That would be Blackgate. So I, I immediately thought there must be more to this, which will obviously be revealed either in the next issue or a future issue. But there were people freaking out about it, and people were asking Tom King about it, and he was he was very very quietly retweeting certain things and making very like one word answer responses. And his response was the essentially wait till the next issue to find out what I'm talking about because there was a lot of people who I guess were getting very upset with him about the fact that Catwoman is this horrible murderer, and he was just like relax and just wait till the next issue, which. I mean, that's basically what you have to do. That's the whole idea of comics in general, if you think about it. The mm. whole idea of one comic going to the next comic is to get you to get to buy the next comic. And that's kind of a lost thing that really didn't work very well or as well as it has been. Um, and I think part of the reason they're doing a lot more now is because of the double ships per month. You only have to wait two weeks before you get another issue. So, you know, two weeks isn't really that long of a time. It's not like you're waiting a full month before you get the next issue. So I, I, I feel like the rebirth issues that are coming out twice per month, they're having a lot like bigger giant cliffhangers that are really making you want to pick up the next issue, which is very smart. You look at the monthly issues, they're not having as big of cliffhangers. It's like this, it's on par with what was happening during new 52 where it's a cliffhanger, but it's not really like, I need to know what's going to happen next. So, it's a serialized medium, right? Like, it's not the first one. I mean, serialized mediums have been up and down throughout the years. I mean, look at, like, old Flash Gordon shows. Or if you want to look at a, a serialized medium that's kind of survived, uh, if you go back and watch some, like, old 1960s, 1970s Doctor Who, that was an extremely serialized show. You know? They were little 25-minute episodes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying there. I mean, 
the only reason I'm not freaking out, I'm a huge Selena Kyle fan. I do. I love Catwoman. She's always like an anti-hero to me. She's more good than she is bad. Um, I've always kind of liked that where her character is when she's in that box, when she's, she's more of a hero than she is a villain. Um, and she's always been the one person that I think that should end up with Bruce in the end. So, um, yeah, that's the kind of the relationship with Batman that I, the reason why I'm always so dismissive of Bruce insert Bruce love interest here. I'm like, yeah, Selena's the one for him. So who cares about this? What's going on here? Um, if I thought that they were going to change continuity and have Selena had just committed some atrocious mass murder and completely change her character, I'd be the one on the soapbox. You know, I'd be the one to be upset about it. The reality is Tom King's proven himself to be a competent writer who understands history. And I can't imagine that next issue, we don't get a Selena is in there because she took the rap for this or took the rap for that or got set up by this. Uh, I just can't imagine them turning Selena who really works best as an anti-hero into a hardcore killer. Now, if that turns out to be true, I'll get back on the soapbox but until then, I, I, I'm sure that uh, King is, is definitely giving us a really interesting first act to a story here. Uh, and I can't wait for the next issue. I was super shocked as you as you uh, can, you know, because I try not to bother Dustin with with menial texts, except, you know, when are you going to post my episode? Uh, but this one I was like, what's going on? So clearly I was like um, a little like. Well, I was shocked. Not a little bit. I was shocked. I'm not upset. I think, you know, people like to just, once something happens, just go crazy without knowing what the context is. I think it, it's a very um, controversial ending, and I think you want to do that in this sort of medium. I, I think, you know, if people may be complaining, I think or anything uh tom king did his job because you know you want people talking about what has happened and that's going to get more people involved and invested in it uh i just whoo i'm with i'm with ed that i think um this is uh bruce's um meant to be i i'm always on the side of selena and uh to have these two work together almost reminds me a little bit of hush because i thought that was uh really great because it was i felt like it was an actual honest relationship for a time anyways um so i i look forward to seeing how this develops uh but i think it was shocking i think it was amazing how you know i was really surprised i think because how many times are we really surprised in comics now with everything that goes on um i'm happy at least that i was not alone in this and i missed something in like her own comic series that you know is completely out of nowhere because i was afraid that i missed something that i should have been reading some other book and i missed it so i'm glad that didn't happen okay my last question is uh, in regards to your, I guess, overall feelings that you had with this. I, I feel like all three of us, I, I don't want to be, I feel like I'm putting a lot of words in your mouths. Is, but, you know, my perception of us in the previous episodes is that we really enjoyed how Tom King started out, but then it started to sort of decline and we weren't as invested in the story of Gotham Girl and everything. Uh, if this is true of you, do you feel refreshed with this? And, and how are your feelings going into this new arc just from this issue, which was not punchy, punchy fight fight. Oh yeah. We did come from monster men, which I don't know if we enjoyed as much. Really? If you think about it, not a lot, happens i mean he makes his team and that's it but how did you feel about this and and how do you feel moving forward 
Well, I think the the biggest thing for me is I enjoyed it. The, looking back at his last story, and I don't count Night of the Monster Men because Night of the Monster Men was not Tom King might have had you know writing credit on the book uh, or the two the last two issues of Batman, but I don't feel as if that was his story. That was Steve Orlando's story because that's the way they told everybody it was. It was his story, and he was in charge of it. And he was just working with the other writers to make sure that he wasn't messing up what was currently going on. The problem is that when you look at Night of the Monsterman, which I have no problem admitting I did not enjoy hardly at all. If you look at Night of the Monsterman and you compare it to the, uh, the, the previous arc with Gotham and Gotham Girl, it almost feels like Batman the story with Gotham and Gotham where it was almost like a, uh, a, a preface to a preface to the, the night of the monster man, because they introduced Hugo strange, which plays a huge role in the night of the monster man. Hugo strange had like hardly any, I mean like he was involved and he sets up the thing with psycho pirate, but like other than just having him in the book, psycho pirate could have escaped on his own and attacked Gotham and Gotham girl. It was almost as Hugo strange was just there to set him up for, Night of the Monster Man. Um, the reason I didn't really enjoy the first story arc that much was, well, outside of the fact that we didn't really deal with any established characters outside of Batman and Alfred, they didn't really, and, and and the occasional appearance from Duke, there there wasn't, you know, they didn't focus on the other members of the Bat Family, which I understand that that's what they're doing in Detective Comics, so I have to like look past that, but not recognizing that there are other there are other members of the, of the bat family is, is a big problem for me. And like focusing so heavily on these two brand new characters, everybody who's been listening to the comic podcast for years knows that I hate it when creators put so much effort into their own creator, own characters rather than focusing on creator or characters that have, that are pre-existing. It just, it, it annoys me. I mean, look back and look at my complaints of Duke Thomas and Harper Rowe basically any other character that Scott Snyder has created. Um, it just feels like they get shoehorned too hard into the story. Now, I wouldn't say that's necessarily true with Gotham and Gotham Girl, but like looking at the story of Gotham and Gotham Girl, outside of this continuance of Gotham Girl existing in this story arc and being the reason why Bruce is going to get Psycho Pirate from Bane, I don't really feel like that story is going to really hold up in time as far as like one of the memorable stories. I feel like it's going to be like Gothitopia, which nobody remembers from a couple years back. While over in Detective Comics, I feel like everything that's happening in that book has some sort of lasting meaning. Outside of the fact that Tim Drake died in the, in the series, I feel like something is going to, you know, the stuff that's happening in that book, dealing with Spoiler and Cassandra, because they're focusing on so many characters that most likely will stand the test of time and be around for longer than one or two story arcs. And that's what seems to be happening with Gotham and Gotham Girl. So given that we start this story and we immediately have a bunch of established characters and we're going to be seeing further character development with these characters that in some cases have been dead, such as Arnold Wesker. He was previously dead pre-Flashpoint and came back as a Black Lantern at one point. Um, but then outside of outside of that, like we have these other characters like Bronze Tiger, which I don't even remember the last time I saw him at all, even outside of a Batman book, but even inside, uh, you know, a DC book. I can't remember the last time I saw one of these. Red characters. Hood and the Outlaws. Was it? it? Yeah, be, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Because he was part of the League of Assassins at yeah. that point. Yep. But that wasn't very good. 
that wasn't a very no, good fair. version. No, fair. It's fair. But fair. yes, but you're true. You're right. That is probably the last time we saw him. But anyway, the whole thing is like it just comes down to like I enjoy when they use established characters and they try to advance the characters. That's my thing. You know, I want to see that. And what I can see here, even with this crazy cliffhanger with Catwoman, is that that's what this story is about. You know, we have Bane as, you know, the main villain that we're going to be facing, but they're already trying to develop Bane and make him, you know, move along. He's trying to get away from the Venom. We're trying to get away from how he was portrayed for basically five years, in, you know, through New 52. So, so far, what I'm seeing, I'm enjoying. I wouldn't call it gothotopia i mean gothotopia was instantly forgettable um i think these stories will have a little more lasting than than, than the gothotopia storyline will but i can i can kind of see a little bit i guess of, of what you're saying there i don't know i kind of i kind of like this I, I just i don't know i think king's been solid so far but i am enjoying what's going on in this book um i know i'm not sure exactly what kind of story we're gonna have here because they've only got the one issue um, but I like I like what we have here. It's it's enjoyable. Again, I, I have no problem with people playing with with characters they create as opposed to bringing other characters in, especially when we have a detective comics out there, which lets us have those characters um, in another book. So, yeah, I, I enjoy this. I, I don't I think this is a solid second story on top of a solid first story that started out really, really good. And that's my only fear with the Tom King books right now, in my opinion. Uh, the first story arc was really solid. And again, I'm not counting Night of the Monster Man. That's its own little weird thing. Um, his first story started off really good. And then I don't know how you guys felt about this. I think we talked about this a little bit. By the end, it kind of felt like it was slipping a little bit. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just was like, oh, this is... And then like, when the, it wasn't bad. I don't want to say it was bad or anything like that. But it definitely felt like it didn't end as well as it started. So my, my curiosity point, again, great starting first issue, just like Batman number one after Rebirth. Um, my biggest concern isn't my enjoyment level, which is very high. Just is how is this going to finish by the time we get to the end of it? Um, as for my question that, that I'll answer it. I really liked issue number one, you know, Tom King uh, starting us off. And I felt like it hit sort of a decline. Um, I was just trying to figure out what was going on. And there were moments, you know, where sort of the EKG went up a little bit because when Claire was talking about it, and this is the beginning of the end. And you're like, what does she mean? You know, that kind of stuff. But this one, I just feel like I feel revivified. And I totally get what Ed is saying because if the whole thing is like mm, his issue number ones are outstanding and then it starts to and then, you know, number one of the next one, the I am, he couldn't say, uh, is you, you know up there again but what i like about this is i think because it's still connected to the original arc which is i think awesome that he's not like done with all of that it's connecting um that perhaps he's going to take what he he learned from that other one and uh, push it forward i think it's also just completely different I, I think um you know we don't really have new characters now i think we're pushing forward classic characters so it very much feels like all-star batman to a certain extent with me just walking through the arkham stuff uh the whole issue like i said really if you think about it not a lot happens but i was just really excited very confused though with the saturn girl don't really know why she's in there maybe i'm not reading a book i should be reading um, i can tell you i can tell you real quick oh please oh, saturn girl now yeah so basically if you if you saw she was listed as Jane Doe. Yep. If you remember correctly, in the DC Universe Rebirth number one that came out in May, mm-hmm. there was they were they were uh I believe it was Maggie Sawyer who was interviewing her 
are interrogating her and saying, who are you? And she's like, I don't remember who I am. I don't remember who I am. And now she's writing the Legion logo on, you know, yeah. on the wall. Uh-huh. So that's where she ended up. She ended up from that story. Uh-huh. She ended up in Arkham Asylum as Jane okay. Doe. So that's and more proof that they're pushing together the rebirth storyline here in Batman. Because exactly. that's the first time anybody's seen her. Isn't that yes. Yeah. yes, and that's and that's, and there's a couple other things that just happened in this past week, tying some of that stuff that happened in the rebirth issue. Because over in Teen Titans, Damien's birthday happened, which was also present right. in that DC rebirth issue. So, mm-hmm. and I want to say something else happened in Flash, or it's going to happen. I remember there was a DC All Access video that 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 uh, they posted up talking to Dan DiDio about the connections of how Rebirth is going to start to play out in the titles. And they were saying that it was going to start in Batman. And Tom King had said, you know, a while back at New York Comic Con that it was going to take, that, you know, that we're going to start seeing those things in from Rebirth playing out in Batman and how the Bat books are directly linked to the ongoing story of the DC universe with him creating his own suicide squad and a scene justice league versus suicide squad. And I failed to mention this. I don't know why, but one of the things that was announced back in or the last two weeks was that justice league of America, Batman is going to be on justice league of America with the already mentioned the Ray, the Adam, um, Killer Frost and Vixen, I believe, is the other one. He's on that team, which means I'm guessing he's not going to be on the Justice League then because this title is supposed to be falling out of the Justice League versus Suicide Squad. So maybe Batman's not going to be part of Justice League going forward. But I'm getting mm-hmm. completely off track. But Well, I mean, it answers my question. Um, but overall, I, I just got really excited. I, I loved seeing that that two-page spread with um, Bronze Tiger and like it looked like they're going to duel and he's like oh it's my buddy uh, and just seeing Bronze Tiger period I think is amazing and just this weird idea of Batman with the Suicide Squad when Batman does not like a wall you know doesn't like Amanda Waller at all Waller is like the one person that can stand up against Batman he never really liked working with them with John Ostrander because it happened very few and far between it happened only a couple times um so it's just interesting that he's gonna be having his own little suicide squad and and I'm so excited for it in fact that I would remember how there used to be Batman and the Outsiders do you remember that yes I do I would almost like to see a Batman and, you know, the squad or Batman Suicide Squad um, book and get rid of the Rebirth Suicide Squad. I think I'd be more engaged and interested in that. I probably would be, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Outsiders book? That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's that's all I have. Thank you for entertaining my my, my many questions on this issue. No problem. I think there – I mean, the the thing is – Yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, when there's a lot to talk about in a book, I think it's worth – talking about it but all right so batman i'm gonna give four out of five that seems right four out of five yeah good i'm gonna say four and a half out of five and over on the website matthew gave it four and a half so that's gonna give batman number nine a total of four and a half out of five batarangs all right so moving into our last book detective comics number 943 uh, this issue was written by James Tynion IV, art by Alvaro Martinez. Uh, the issue starts off with us seeing the words no more and a bat symbol 
painted or presumably using blood on a Wayne Enterprises sign inside of the lobby of Wayne Enterprises. Batwoman is investigating alongside Renee Montoya, and they're trying to figure out exactly what happened. They run through some footage and some interview footage, um, uh, some some security footage, as well as some interview footage of interviews that they did later on. Um, uh, Lucius Fox coming into Wayne Enterprises, being um, called in because he's he's well, he's on the phone with Vicky Vale talking about how the entire destruction that just happened because of the night of the monsters situation wayne enterprises is going to foot the bill uh instead of having the the state have to foot the bill that wayne enterprises is going to foot the bill for the reconstruction um but while this all happened there was somebody who just there was a group of villains that randomly appeared um towards the elevators as lucius was there um also one of the people that's interviewed is worth mentioning her name's ellie i'll bring that up later on um, she's a receptionist at Wayne Enterprises, but we're introduced to a group of villains who have a variety of different powers. Uh, these group of villains, they don't attack Lucius, but instead they'd say that uh, they're coming to punish those who are supporting um, Batman and the, the, they basically attack and some security guards and there's three security guards who are murdered. Uh, as Batwoman is talking to Renee about this, they don't understand what exactly this means but they are going to figure it out. Um, as we see, uh, Renee also recognizes the fact that there's something going on with Kate as she's, she feels she's coming across as very cold. And uh, Renee notices that hinting that they have previously had some sort of relationship as we've seen in another issue. Uh, meanwhile, Jacob Kane is locked up in the Belfry being interrogated by Batman. Uh, but Jacob Kane is not giving any information whatsoever. And he says that the only reason, the only way he's going to talk is if he gets to talk to Kate. Um, Batman tells Batwoman to report in. She proceeds to explain exactly what happened um, at at Wayne Enterprises. Um, But then he says, I need to know what's going on with the rest of the team. She explains that Orphan and Clayface are training. Spoilers not responding to any sort of calls or messages that she's been leaving. And she feels like, something needs to be done about her because they feel like she's going to just be lost. Uh, Batman insists that she just needs time. And uh, Batwoman says, no, things don't change just because of time. We need to figure this out. We're all dealing with the death of Tim Drake. Meanwhile, at Tompkins free clinic, uh, spoiler is uh, occupying a bed, at least temporarily. And she discusses with Harper Rowe, who is currently assisting as a volunteer at Tompkins Free Clinic, alongside none other than Sean Paul Valley, uh, they discuss uh, a number of different things. Stephanie's trying to understand whether or not she should continue to be a mass vigilante or if the best way to go about helping Gotham City is similar to what we see Harper doing by volunteering at the Free Clinic. Uh, Harper says she's not really the person who is to is really to answer that question because she gave up the costume, so she's going to be a kind of a one-sided situation. Uh, meanwhile, we see Jean-Paul Valley ask if uh, Harper can help. Uh, Stephanie decides to leave, but they agree that they need to that they they agree that they're going to meet up later on for a charity event that they were already promised. They already promised Cassandra that they would attend. Uh, meanwhile, at the mudroom, uh, we see Clayface uh, fighting off man-bat creatures similar to the creatures, if you've been reading comics for a while, the man-bat creatures that the League of Assassins had 
while while back during Graham Morrison's run. Um, Clayface is taking out the them, and uh, Cassandra is very pleased with his his progress. Um, it, as uh, he says uh, to the the mudroom, "Give me the worst creature you can come up with." Turns out it's a very very large version of Clayface who says he wants to kill him. Uh, Cassandra stops the computer from doing this. And he is convinced that he is only that vicious creature. And she says, no, that's not you anymore. At a charity gala, Bruce Wayne and Kate Kane are arriving together in a limo. Um, as they are walking up, uh, they're talking about the fact that there's a number of problems that they have with the team that they need to figure out and discuss as they're saying this, uh, we also see that the crowd is protesting outside of the gala, saying keep keep bats out of Gotham, uh, who watches the Batman and symbols of the bat signal with the you know the you know no the circle with the line through it um, is outside of the gala. And they're talking about what they need to do. Bruce says that the whole reason they're there is actually to recruit somebody to help with all of the tech stuff that Tim was dealing with that the Belfry needs to get finished, but it has not been. Uh, then we get a flying car that enters the picture and out walks Luke Fox, who has two women accompanying him. He is very, very playing off the Playboy image, talking about how they're developing the car. He's hosting this gala to show off a bunch of new technology to show the Gotham Police Department. Uh, Kate is not very into the idea of recruiting recruiting uh, Luke Fox specifically because he's pushing this Playboy image way too hard, and she doesn't think that he's the right fit. When all of a sudden the giant explosion goes off, and from the ashes we see a group of characters known as the Victim Syndicate arrive in the form of a group of five characters, which I'm sure will be introduced next episode or next issue. That is next up, Payback. So my my uh, my summary was very detailed because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this issue, and it's not just because this issue, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in every issue of Detective Comics because, like I was saying, there's so much character development. So the first thing I want to talk about is that in the beginning of the issue, there is a character known as Ellie. Uh, she's being interrogated. She is a um, she is a receptionist who works at Wayne Enterprises. This is a character that originally was a prostitute during the series that Grant Morrison was writing um, that Bruce Wayne gave a job. She's, she appeared throughout Grant Morrison's run is basically showing that different, there's different ways to, for Batman to make a difference. It could be as simple as just offering somebody a job as Bruce Wayne to get her, you know, to, to better someone's life. Um, So it's interesting that they show her, um, there's a couple of other things, just the visual aspects of things um, that I want to talk about all at once outside of her. There was a uh, a weird hooded figure that slightly reminded me of um, Orphan, but I don't think it was Orphan, who was sitting on a lamp pole outside mm-hmm. of the clinic that spoiler sees, but nobody else sees, and she and then it's, it disappears. So there's that. There's also... That was Orphan. I don't think so because think why either. would she have like switch? I think it's that thing that we see at the end in the in the red costume uh, or in the yeah, game. that makes sense. So there was that, and I'm pretty sure it's the the person in the red costume too. The one detail in that picture though, or that that you know the image is that it appears that there's some sort of like 
lines. Uh, it's the only thing I can think of. I'm sure it's probably like you said, the the person in the very end of the issue. But I thought that was weird because it was it was gone two seconds later. And I wasn't sure if maybe she was thinking it was Tim for a second because she said she stopped and then she was like, no, it's nothing. So I was thinking, is she thinking that it's Tim watching over her or something like that? Um, then the other thing to talk about, another bullet point dealing with the visuals is that everybody has better hair, in my opinion. Um, Kate in her civilian identity, she, even though she could be wearing a wig, she's not, you know, she doesn't have the buzz cut. Uh, Sean Paul Valley also has better hair than he was presented earlier in the first arc of Detective Comics. Um, he actually has a full head of hair as well. Um, and this could just be this me, me and my weirdness with the, the weird haircuts because I, I complained about Batwoman's haircut to begin with. But so the bullet points are Ellie, uh, the hooded figure and the, the haircuts. You know, what do you guys think about those three things? I didn't catch the Ellie thing at all. Um, I think it's fine to throw in. Like you said, when you have an existing character, use it as opposed to creating a new one. Right. So I'm fine with throwing her in there. The haircuts are much improved. Kate looks 20 times better. Than she did before, and what was your third ring? Because you said them really fast at the end. The hooded figure. Oh yeah, I, I I'm going to assume that it's the yeah the, the one from the end of the book, the the one we have no name for. Oh, I we do the know her name. The-, the character's name is First Victim, but First Victim. we don't. It's okay. not presented in the issue. I just know that because. Tynan had uh, posted up character designs for each one of these characters and each one of those characters has a specific name and that character's name just happened to be first victim. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not sure honestly what we're going to have going on here with yet. It sounds to me like it's, uh, it could be like the typical revenge thing, you know, like you, you know, you something Batman allowed something happened. Someone got killed and Batman didn't stop it or was there and saved one person, not another. Um, I'm sure he'll make it more interesting than that. I mean, I, I know I'm sounding like, oh, we're doing this again. But I bet it's something along those lines, especially with a name like the first victim. I mean, maybe the first victim of a crime. I don't know. But, I, I mean, I'm thinking that that's probably where we're going with it. Um, I think that the hooded figure is, in fact, the first victim. Um, I think perhaps it's just a point that he knows who these people are. Potentially, because, I mean, if he's right outside the window with Harper and Steph, then why else would he be unless, dun-dun-dun, he knows secret identities. Haircut, good. We're getting back to sort of, well, I guess I can't say classic. New 52, Kate, with the, the bob. Um, and it looks much better in her skin. You know, sometimes the skin can be but. He- Skin, while white, is not, like, intense. Um, you know, that scares me. Really, the classic, why I didn't say classic, it was because when we first met Kate in 52, that weekly comic after Infinite Crisis, she had long hair. And then the other thing, the L business, I don't even know who that is. Um, was that before my time? Was this Batman Inc.? Yes, it was definitely before your time. It was during okay, so. R.I.P. and Inc. It was R.I.P. Batman and Son? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, while I've read Batman and Son in R.I.P., um, not I'm afraid I didn't read any of those other things. So this is this was educational for me. Outside of those three things, um, the other thing I want to talk about the, the, the there's two more things I want to talk about real quick. So the first thing is it seems as usual Batman is pushing aside his his uh, feelings of of uh, grief 
for Tim Dra- the loss of Tim Drake and just kind of getting back to the mission while the rest of the team seems to in some ways at least be showing some sort of reactions uh, not so much Sandra but definitely we're dealing with spoiler dealing with you know the death and her reaction maybe it's time to give up the costume um, I don't think that's actually going to happen but do you feel like at least in this issue they presented the Tim Drake being gone in a in a worthwhile manner and I say that because you know, Tim Drake left right before Night of All Monsters. We dived right into Night of Monsters, and Night of Monsters occurred. And outside of just mentioning the fact that he was gone, they didn't really do a whole lot having to, like, kind of deal with what, what just happened. And here we have a situation where it's been a slight bit of time afterwards because Batwoman does say in the issue that it's been a few weeks since the Night of Monsters. And I believe Lucius Fox is the same thing because they are, you know, they're funding the reconstruction. So the thing is, do you feel like they've done a, a, a good enough job of dealing with the fact that Tim Drake is dead? Even though we know he's not dead, do you feel like the way it's being portrayed here is a worthwhile manner? Yes. Um, I think that may have been one of the reasons that I initially had such not a great enjoyment level from Night of the Monster Men was – um, if we're going to act like Tim died, we got to act like Tim died. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, we should have a, a, a you know, a, a bigger event to see how everyone feels about it. I mean, we know he's not dead, but to these characters, he should be dead. Um, and there's a certain level of, you know, emotion that's going to come along with that, which we haven't got to see. Um, I think we do get to see it here. Um, Batman is obviously having trouble with it. Kate is having trouble with it. Uh, spoiler is obviously having a ton of trouble. So, I mean, I think this feels real. Um, I think this will probably carry on through the arc for a while. And I'm wondering too, if they've received direction, I mean, the bat writers of just, you guys act as if he's dead, you know, um, for all intents and purposes. So no, I, I think that this, without it becoming just an issue of them talking about Tim doing some kind of, you know, like flashback to the good old days with Tim or them sitting around talking about their memories of him or something like that. I think this is as good as you're going to get as far as dealing with it. And I think that you're going to see this continue through the book. I mean, we have spoiler who's not answering the phone. So I think that we're going to see this, this arc is going to be dealing with Tim's death, which I could see where some people would find that to be hollow considering we know Tim's not dead, but um, yeah, I, I think this is about the right note. And I think doing such a good job in one issue and a better job in one issue than they did with Requiem spaced out. And you're like, why? Why is there a Catwoman Requiem when uh, she didn't have any interactions with them? You know, that sort of thing. Or Mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't Catwoman. I feel like she had one. Uh, I remember Batgirl. But, you know, it's hitting the people who or it's impacting the people that it should and would impact Steph would be hit really hard and Tim would be hit hard. And uh, I I think Kate is out of sorts because of how it's impacting her team as well as losing a team member so early on. Um, So I I think it's been dealt with well. I think overall it's been dealt with well too. And I think the biggest thing is I think that they're showing different people's versions like Batman's pushing aside. Fine. That's just Batman. But because there's so many other characters within the story that they can focus on, everybody has their own reactions. Orphan, you know, she's kind of closed off emotionally from a lot of other people. So you're not going to see a lot of emotion come from her. Clayface doesn't really have an attachment to, to uh, Tim. Um, But Kate, you know, 
basically Tim was the lieutenant of the team. And on top of that, he was in charge of the tech. So she's more concerned about the continuation of the team, knowing that he's not going to be around. And the fact that Batman hasn't really been assisting with the team since Tim's, you know, Tim's, you know, Tim's death. So my thing is, I think that they did a very good job of, you know, showing that how each character would react to it. You know, in some ways, Batwoman wants to continue the the mission, but she understands that Tim, there's a big void that needs to get filled with Tim not being around. And Batman could fill that void, but he's choosing not to be involved because, you know, the way she puts it, he just feels like he's being reminded of the fact of what happened by seeing the other members of the team. So I think I think that part of it, they're doing a very good job. I do think that this isn't going to be something that's going to play out over one issue, mostly because we know that spoiler is going to be a main focus for this story arc uh, because that's what that's what Tynan said. So knowing that, I feel like this is going to be an ongoing thing. Uh, my next question, there was another... Okay, so the, I want to talk about this group of villains, which we don't know a whole lot about, but I, I want to bring this up because when I read this issue, the, the first immediate thought I had was what I'm about to talk about. So the group of villains is called the Victim Syndicate. They can th- consist of characters with these names, okay? Mr. Noxious, who's kind of got a combination of some sort of poison is He can use poisonous gas in some way, um, kind of like Poison Ivy. So it seems like a lot of these villains are linked to a certain villain. You've got uh, Madam Crow, who clearly has some sort of, well, outside of the fact that her name has Crow in it, like Scarecrow, her hands look like the Scarecrow hands of Scarecrow from the Arkham series. There's a person named Mudface, clearly a reference to Clayface. There's somebody named First Victim, which seems to me, based off of the red mask, that it's attached to something having to do with maybe the Red Hood before Jason Todd, obviously, was that character. Then there's also... Or Orphan. Yeah, I guess Orphan, too. Um, Mute is another one. Uh, I I don't know exactly... That'd be Orphan, yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing that's that's where that one is. But the idea is that this is, you know, they're called the victims and they don't want the superheroes or the Bat family in Gotham City, at least the way it's presented in this issue. I know that it could change. I just want to talk about specifically how it's presented in this issue. They presented as this team, this group of people are somehow affected by the villains that Batman has faced and they're blaming Batman for the reason of why they have whatever power or, you know, thing that they, that current condition that they are in, Bat, they're blaming Batman or a member of the Bat family because of what what they have become. Now, there was a story a couple years back in Batman and Robin. It was called Terminus. It, it involved a character named Terminus who recruited a bunch of characters who had been affected by things dealing with Batman. Um, specifically, just to roll through some of these characters and their names, because it was kind of a weird group of characters. There was a guy named Bathead who had a batarang lodged in his brain because he tried to throw one at Batman and it caused him an injury. They had Bootface, which was a guy who got kicked in the face by Batman. Yeah. We had a guy named Smush who was basically some sort of chemical configuration of stuff because he was trying to steal one of Batman's vehicles. There was someone named Scallop was permanently scarred after being ejected with a spike from his gauntlet. Um, So the weird thing is I immediately made this connection because I was like this, wait a second, not to say that 
you know, whatever the victim syndicate ends up being couldn't be something different. Obviously, it's called the victim syndicate and all of these other characters that were part of this Terminus storyline back in Batman Robin. They were all like henchmen or villains in general, not not villains, but like henchmen or low level thugs or whatever who just had something happen to, to them that I guess. And then Terminus was a character who brought all these people together. But my thing is. I made that connection. I know that I'm not the only one because I read a couple other reviews online by some people who have been reading comics for a long time. They also made the connection. I wanted to know if, one, you guys made the connection, and two, what do you think needs to be done differently to make this group of characters stand apart from the characters that were part of that uh, Peter Tomasi story in Batman Robin? I didn't make the connection. Um at all. I, I think it needs to be a different motivation. I think these might not be, you said the one with the scarecrow, we got a clay face one. Um, I'm wondering if these are victims of these particular villains slash heroes that are going to use their own tech against them or something. Um, those were all people that have been beat up by Batman, if I remember correctly. Um, so I think that these may just switch a little bit. These might be allies versus villains. Um, I didn't remember the people in that story just until you brought it up. So uh, I guess the biggest thing would be just change up their motivations a little bit and don't make me feel like I'm rereading that story now, especially because I'm going to remember it because you brought it up. I didn't connect it either. I think already a, a very surface distinction between the two is that this group, as much as it seems, uh, maybe more of a threat, like a legitimate threat than the other one, which I feel like the other one, now that I'm remembering all these people, um, was more laughable. And I would um, agree. I think that's definitely the case. Yeah. So I, I think potentially these are people who um, could really do some damage to the team. I think that they're like the anti-team right now uh, because there are similarities to the current members, but of course they're bad guys. Um, and like Ed pointed out, uh, the Terminus story was more people who had been uh, some punishment or whatever had been afflicted upon them by Batman. Whereas this seems more like something happened to them because of a villain of Batman's and they blame Batman for sort of bringing, bringing the freaks to Gotham. Um, So I think there's, there are differences, but it, it does sort of, I mean, it's this idea that there's nothing wholly original anymore um, because everything sort of has a derivative or it is a derivative or it has pieces elsewhere. Um, So I'm actually disappointed that you brought this to my attention. Uh, Not, not, I'm not blaming you, of course. I know. Well, you're not the Um, first on this episode to blame me for that. Yeah, well, I know. And and it's not, you know, I'm not blaming you. I'm I'm disappointed in general that there's even any sort of connection. Because this isn't like, oh, the White Rabbit, you know, it's harking back to the White Rabbit. This is like we created a team prior and we're creating a new team that has sort of similarities there. That's a little disappointing for a writer that's as, um, I, I would say, talented as Tynion, so... I'm, yeah, I'm a little sad now. Maybe he's going in a different direction. Let's I think he's going in a different direction, too. I want to make this very clear. I did not bring this up so I could sit there and say that he's ripping off an idea that's already well, I didn't around. say that either. I, I know. I know you didn't. I'm just, I just <laughs> want to make that clear to anybody who's listening that I'm not saying that he's ripping off a story that 
Peter Tomasi wrote just, you know, the, the, it was like four years ago that that story came out. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that in any way. What I am trying to say, though, is I just saw that there was some sort of similarities, mostly because we don't know anything about these characters yet, and they're called victims, the you know the victim syndicate. So you're led to believe that something happened, and the fact that they're you know they want to get rid of the Bat family or vigilantes in general leads me just to think of that other situation in that other story where there was characters who were brought together basically because of horrible things that happened to them directly related to in that story batman but you know in in the larger scheme of things the bat family so that that's the only reason i bring it up you know i don't i honestly do believe that there is going to be a different different version of this uh it's not going to be the same exact story or anything like that i don't think that at all i honestly feel just by the appearance alone and the the skill sets that that just we see shown this is a definitely a more formidable group of villains compared to a bunch of has been henchmen or whatever that had horrible things happening to them via punishment from Batman. I think that this will be better. I just, I made that connection. I knew I, after reading some stuff online that I wasn't the only one. So that was the reason I brought it up. Now I'm sure that, you know, in, in a lot of ways, the care, the groups, the group of characters are going to be hashed out over the next couple issues and we'll learn more about them. I just, Given the little bit of information, I immediately read it, thought of that group of characters and thought, well, it has only been about four years. Now, if it was a group of characters that appeared 24 years ago, I probably wouldn't have thought about it as prominently. But I distinctly remember reviewing those those Batman Robin issues on the pod, on the comic podcast, you know, four years ago. So that's why I brought it up. So I just want to make it clear. I'm not trying to say that Tynion is copying Peter Tomasi's work or anything like that. I just made the connection. I know that I was not the only one out there who did that. So for now, despite what it seems to be a large criticism coming from myself, at least the way you guys portray me being in this situation, uh, I actually really enjoyed this issue. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. Uh, three. I mean, I like it. Three and a half out of five. I was very turned off by the portrayal of Luke. Three out of five. And over on the website, Ian gave it four and a half. So that's going to give Detective Comics number 943 a total of four out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the website for Greater Gotham. First up, we have the week of uh, October 19th, uh, main TV books. We already talked about Batman number nine over in Nightwing number seven. After Spiral takes down the Parliament of Owls, Nightwing witnesses the member, the members murdered by someone who was hired by Raptor after traveling around the globe to confront him, finding out that Raptor has a strange obsession. He finds out that Raptor has a strange obsession with Dick Grayson's life and the two fight while with Nightwing taken down, Raptor proceeds to kidnap Bruce Wayne. This was reviewed by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, it's got Damien and Bruce in it. Thumbs up. It's not bad. Neutral. Harley Quinn, number six. Harley embraces her undercover role as a punk rocker, which leads her to make friends with the other band. After returning home and preparing for a vacation, the threat of Joker continues to be foreshadowed. This was reviewed by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 
Thumbs up. Neutral. And as a, as of secondary TV books, we already talked about Dark Knight 3. Uh, main DC Universe books, Justice League number 7, the entire league deals with their own various fears as we lead to a Batman versus Superman clash. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it 2 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Neutral. Neutral. Trinity number 2, as the Trinity are mysteriously transported to the past, they help Jonathan Kent find his young son Clark. All is not as it seems, as is revealed that the group are in a dream state created by Poison Ivy. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four to five, and we give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. I'm slowly coming to the realization that I think Poison Ivy might be my favorite Batman villain. Um, if done well, I've been thinking about this for a while. I like her a lot. Um, I'm going to give this a thumb, like five thumbs up. Yeah. No, Poison Ivy is one of my favorites, too, especially since... Yeah. The New 52 era change for the Enviro eco-terrorist thing works well in today's modern climate. So, yeah, I like this a lot. All right. And then secondary DC Universe books, we had uh, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, number one. Barbara Gordon's Batgirl and James Gordon and the Joker make an appearance in the backup story. Cyborg, number three, while dreaming, Cyborg has a nightmare that involves Just League being taken down by Darkseid which of course includes Batman green arrow. Number nine, black canary and green arrows relationship continues to grow as they save John Diggle green lanterns. Number nine, Joker makes a quick cameo while Batman also appears alongside the justice league Injustice gods among us year five, number 20, which includes digital chapters number 39 through 40. The series ends with Luther and Batman finally bringing the alternate earth just league to cross over to bring down the regime. And last but not least, Suicide Squad Most Wanted, El Diablo and Boomerang number three. As Skuar's backstory is revealed to having ties to the GCPD in the same story, they go after Cluemaster only to run into Catwoman. Uh, the other story focuses on Killer Croc rather than Captain Boomerang. Um, and then moving into October 26th, main TV books. We already talked about Detective Comics, number 943. Uh, Batman Beyond, number one. The first issue of the new series shows Matt revealing the Batcave to Maxine Gibson, while Batman may be facing his match in his quest to rescue the captured Dana Tan. Uh, this was by Jim. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Batgirl, number four. After cutting ties with Kai, Batgirl tracks down <laughs> the teacher. <laughs> And Finally. their face-off is set for the next issue. This was viewed by Ian. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Yeah, I'm uh, like my finger is slightly level slash slightly up because my goodness, towards the end, I was like, well, thank God she's finally thinking. I mean, kicking kind of the curb. This is all the only thing I've ever wanted. All right. And then secondary TV books, there were none. Main DC Universe books, Teen Titans number one. As the son of Batman reveals his reasons for kidnapping the heroes Starfire, Beast Boy, Raven, and Kid Flash, the Demon's Head, which obviously includes Ra's al Ghul, appear, prepares for war against the newly created Teen Titans with his own deadly assassins, the Demon's Fist. This is reviewed by Ryan. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Titans number four. In this issue, Kadabra finally reveals his plan. He will use the Titans and Linda to force Wally to run so fast that he will be sucked into the speed force with no hope of returning. This is reviewed by Jim. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up, but it's not a great plan. <laughs> Thumbs up. Suicide Squad number five is Waller tries to find a way to make General Zod part of Task Force X. Flag disagrees while the rest of the team tries to figure out what is next. The backup features Hack. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Yeah, neutral. 
Neutral. And then as far as secondary DC Universe books, we only had one, Deathstroke number five. Deathstroke kidnaps Damien and Rose is stuck with Batman, leading to some new team-ups. And then as far as trades and hardcovers released, uh, first on October 19th, we had two, Midnighter Volume 2, hard trade paperback, and Teen Titans Go! Bring It On, new edition trade paperback. And then over on October 26th, there was three, Nightwing Volume 5, The Hunt for Oracle trade paperback, Justice League Director's Cut number one, which was just a reprinting, but with more pages of Justice League number one from Rebirth. And then Mad Presents Goodnight Batcave hardcover. Uh, So that's that. So that is all of our books as far as Greater Gotham. Now we're going to go straight into our bat signal. We have one comment, and it comes from Ian. Excellent cast as usual, folks. I did want to throw a quick note about Stephanie Brown as Robin. Not shocking, I know. I think there's a third road besides Batman being sexist and Batman being completely justified. Justified. Just. I believe that you can read it, especially if you read some of the preparation issues of War Drums in the recently released War Games collections. As Batman seeing the potential for another life away from the death and violence of his own for Stephanie and being unable to articulate that hope for her or his own fear engendered by Jason's death. Basically, that Batman isn't necessarily sexist, but he's incredibly bad at relationships and communicating with someone like Stephanie. That's not to say Steph didn't make mistakes, but he didn't give her the year of training Tim got to bring her completely to the level she needed to be before being given a pass-slash-fail test. Anyway, I pretty much agree with you on the Night of the Monster Men crossover. It's not bad, and I really, really like the art. Rohe. Antonio seems to be the bat office's go-to villain artist these days, with his work on the Batman Annual Number 4, Batman and Robin Eternal, Grayson, Batgirl, and the Birds of Prey, and now here in this crossover. Riley Rossmo's art was really beautifully stylized, and even though Andrew McDonald's art was probably the weakest of the three, it was still very appealing and well done. But all in all, it felt really disposable. It was integrated into the other storylines well, but the characters didn't really feel like themselves. The voicing seemed off to me. And I just didn't care about Batman fighting Strange until the very end. It's because he was naked. I have to disagree about All-Star Batman, though. I don't enjoy the out-of-order storytelling. It can be done well, and it's not done especially badly here, but it seems to be primarily used so we can have an incredibly out-of-character moment of betrayal in every issue. Woo! He said the B-word, betrayal, which I just don't Mm. enjoy, even if they get a somewhat satisfying explanation. I like the Bat family and allies working together, not at constant odds, which explains why Detective is my current favorite title, though the upcoming formation of the Suicide Squad by Batman, including Catwoman, makes me incredibly intrigued. I do have a question for the cast. Is anyone playing the Telltale Batman game? If so, what do you think of it? And if not, do you plan to at some point? Ian, I will say this. Uh, in regards to your specific question, um, well, let's let's just roll through. Your, you, you made comments about the Iron Monster that was really just more comments agreeing with some of the stuff we've already said in the past. Um, as far as Stephanie... I there is a possibility that uh, you know that Batman is justified, um, but I don't think it's portrayed exactly the way you're saying it. Um, but as far as your last question, the Telltale game, um, 
I have been playing the Telltale game. It, I actually, it's surprising because this is one of the few games I've actually had time to play in like the last year, but I've made time to play and I actually just played episode three. And I have to say, this is by far probably one of the best incarnations of Batman in any medium at this point, because I think it's great how they're incorporating so much aspects of Bruce Wayne's life as well as Batman, which I was excited about before the game even came out when they announced that that was going to be a main focus. But some of the other stuff that that's, that's been happening, like, you know, you know, obviously no matter who's telling the story, whether it be the Arkham games, whether it be a movie, a live action movie, an animated film, a comic story, anybody who's going to mess around with the creation, the, the, you know, the, the origins of characters, whether it be Selena or whether it be Two-Face or whether it be Penguin, I think that this is doing it in a way where it's still enjoyable. It's not like taking too much away from it. We're slowly seeing Harvey, you know, you know, become this dual personality. Um, but those of you who haven't been playing it, it's it's worth checking out if you haven't checked it out. It's not that expensive. And honestly, I feel like I get more play value. I think I played, I want to say it took me two hours to get through the episode, but I don't think it actually took that long, but I think it's like roughly about an hour and a half to get through the episode, but it really just feels like you're watching, you know, something. And I love choosing, you know, the stuff because it's, you know, like the choose your own adventure type thing where the choices you make are going to change. But like overall, I've really been enjoying it. And especially episode three, I think made me, enjoy it even more than I already was. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you on Stephanie there. I have not got to, I played first episode of, of Batman telltale. It's good. It, it seems great. Uh, graphics are fun. Uh, I'm just kind of logged up on video games right now, uh, in a big, bad way. Um, I do understand your points about the out of order storytelling. I do. You know, as much as I like Snyder's work, there is times where that I mean, I can I understand it, but there is times where it's exhausting and and, and his wraps up in a bow. The problem with Snyder's is normally it takes you all the way to the last it, last issue to figure out what happened in the first issue. Um, see one of our many discussions about reading him in trade, making it makes a lot more sense. Um, but yeah, there is times where even I like would like a let's start on page one and end on page thirty uh, story. Yeah, I think in a it almost reminds me of Man of Steel because that had very non-linear mm. storytelling. Um, but I feel like that was successful. But I could see that sort of being this, a similar argument because, you know, it would go back and forth between when he was younger and then current times. Um, yeah, you just need to have a reason for doing it. So hopefully all will be clear. And Stephanie, I haven't read War Games, so I can't really comment on that. I'm sort of biding my time because I've heard bad things about it. And Telltale, I have not played it, though YouTube knows me well because I went on the YouTube and it like I, I enjoy looking at shipper videos. And one of the videos was like the interaction, shall we say, uh, between Batman and Selena. <laughs> what's this and then you know i'm watching like the person choose their choose i'm always there for you selena i'm like oh wow so i watched that all right so um that is all of our comments thank you for that one comment we got absolutely no suggestions for a celebration for episode 200 so i'm guessing i guess just everybody who listens to the podcast either one has not had time to send in their suggestions or two just want us to do a normal episode and not do anything special. So if we don't hear anything in the next episode, we won't have anything special to do because we won't have time to prepare. So 
If you're interested, though, I could send uh, you, the fans, uh, Dustin's mailing address, and you can send him some bologna. That's a good idea. Would also like to make a maybe a pineapple upside down cake or a pie. Moving right along. (laughs) Moving right along. Uh, moving right along, this is now in the point of the episode where I normally tell you to send us your money because we're oh, wow. hard up for money and we need some money quickly. Um, but, but the surprise, surprise! Over the past, <gasps> over the past two weeks, our goal has hit one hundred percent, and we are fully, fully funded for our servers through June twenty seventeen. Yes, it's still only till June twenty seventeen. But uh, I, I, there's a couple of different things I want to talk about. First of all, thank you to everybody. We took the time to send a contribution, whether it be $5 or whether it be $100. Every contribution that was sent over was greatly appreciated. We appreciate all of those contributions to to help support TBU. Uh, Secondly, I want to say that uh, I know for – I said this on the last episode. The plug-in that was on the website in the (laughs) sidebar was broken. It had to have been broken because I did get a couple emails in September saying it was broken – and some of those did turn into manual donations that came through. Um, but I feel like I, I, I dropped the ball with the plug-in because it just was broke. And I don't know why it was broke. It seemed to be working everywhere else but our site. So I eliminated the plug-in completely, and I have replaced it with a standard support TBU donate button where you can just click on it, and then you can uh, send funds via PayPal using your credit card bank card, whatever type of credit card that you have through PayPal, which is the most secure transaction way that you can send us funds using a credit card. Um, or you could just send funds through your PayPal account itself if you have funds through there. So the button will stay on the website. I'm not going to keep hammering in that we need to raise funds probably until we get to February, March, because it seems like it takes a little while to raise the funds in general, but the button is going to stay there. So if you feel inclined to continue to support TBU, even if you give $5 a month, you know, $5 a month adds up that $60 a year. That's a, that's a, you know, a, a pretty good chunk of the entire server cost for a year. So if you were able to donate just $5 a month, Every single month that you're listening to our podcast, you know that that would go greatly and help support us. So the button will stay there. It works. I know it works because we had as soon as I fixed it and posted online that it was fixed. There was donations that came in practically instantaneously. Um, so clearly, I I we could have had this all wrapped up a month ago if I would have figured out a better way of having the the, the plugin working on the website. That being said. Now that that's funded, now we're entering in phase two of what I'm calling the Make TBU Better campaign, which phase two is not money related. It's more of uh, trying to get your opinions on certain things. Um, some of the suggestions we've heard um, when we were trying to raise funds was come up with, uh, you know, start a Patreon account so that we could have money ongoing every single month. That's definitely something that we're looking into. We're just trying to figure out the best way to go about doing that to still offer something as an incentive to those of you who are listening to the pot or, you know, who, those of you who are taking money and donating it to the site. So if you, so essentially what can we give you as an incentive to become basically a premium supporter of TBU? Um, so part of that also entails, you know, as you've noted, probably have noticed news on the site has, has not been, uh, posted as frequently as I would like it to be, mostly because I don't have news writers currently working on the site. Um, 
a lot of the news writers that we had either had to leave or had things come up in their personal lives where they are unable to do it anymore. So that's why I'm always asking for more news writers because I personally don't have time on top of editing the reviews that we post every single week and editing the podcast that we record here and getting everything else going with the site. I don't have time to post the news as much as I wish I could. So that's why I'm always asking for news writers to, you know, help us out and volunteer their time to write up news articles. Um, again, if you are interested in potentially writing news to get our news to be more frequent on the website, email me at tbu at net. But the idea is that there's certain aspects of the website that I know that people don't really care that much about. And I don't want to focus on that stuff as much as other areas. So basically what I'm asking everybody to do as part of phase two, which is going to be from now until the end of December is to online, you go to the, the batmanuniverse.net, the sidebar where the plugin used to be for the uh, support TBU servers, there's now a button that says, please take our survey. You click that, it takes you to a website called SurveyMonkey where there's an extensive question that I've been told I put too many questions in. Um, but it's trying to get a better knowledge of one, who our audience is, two, what our audience wants to see, uh, three, what our audience wants to be more important, whether it be news or editorials or you know specific podcasts, things like that. I'm trying to get a better understanding of What's more important to put, you know, at the very minimum, my focus towards, but also if we have new people come on board, where do we have these new people put their focus on rather than just saying news is the most important thing that we have. So that's what needs to be focused on, because I know that a lot of people enjoy the podcast and not everybody goes to the website every single day to even look at the news daily. So my thing is, I need to know, have a better understanding of our fans, our listeners, and this is the best way to do it. Um, I implore you to take the survey. Like I said, it's going to be open until the end of December. Once December rolls around, I'm going to go through the results and then try to make some plans as to what will change come next year. Um, But for the most part, based off of some early responses that we've had, there's not a whole lot of changes that seem to be need to be taking place other than we just need to get news writers. And there's some people who are saying that uh, they just want to hear the three of us and our lovely voices more often. So My voice is lovely. Uh, make TBU better by going to the website and filling out and helping and, and clicking on that survey and answering the survey. I want to try to get as many responses as I can because obviously the more people who respond, the better idea we have, you know, of what we need to make changes to. So that's that's the goal. Um, also, there's questions in there related to, you know, what kind of things you would like to see, you know, if you were to donate money, things like that. A better under, just getting a better understanding of you know how we can go about doing things for the future. So I implore you to go do that. In addition to that, we're always looking for people to write articles, original editorials, and things like that on the website. Um, also, I'm currently also looking for people to review old comics or old TV episodes and things like that. Um, I'm also looking for audio editors and video editors, graphic designers, anybody who's has you know. They're, you know, has their finger on some sort of artistic measure as far as, you know, creating art, being able to draw things like that. Um, looking for that as well. So if you have any of those skills, but you are unable to contribute money or you are able to contribute money and you'd like to donate some of your time too, please consider donating some of your time and volunteering with TBU. So um, in addition to that, check out the websites, all the other podcasts we have to offer. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe. 
Leave us comments in the podcast section on the podcast episode and leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. With that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. This is Stella. And that is everything for this episode. We will be back in two weeks. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>